Hey, what's going on? This is Billy Newman, and you're listening to the Billy Newman Photo Podcast for October 10th, 2017. How's it going? I'm working in the truck this afternoon. I'm trying to put together a quick little podcast as an update to some of the stuff that's been going on, some of the media stuff that I've been working on, and I'm trying to, uh, I guess, cover it and explain it. A lot of the time, the podcast is just sort of me updating y'all on what kind of photos I'm working on and what kind of media stuff is uh, keeping me busy or some of the media thoughts I've had over the the week, if I jot them down. I try and like keep a little a little notepad of like some little points that I'm supposed to make, but I hardly ever get to them. I don't know, they're about like what cameras to look at, that sort of stuff, but um, we, we explain enough of it though. So I'm um, here today, I'm uh, looking at a little list that I wrote down, and uh, I, I guess it's like a bunch of the videos and photo stuff that I've done this past week that's gone up. That'd be kind of cool to talk about, but like I cut together a quick little uh, set of a video from the Alvord Desert during our time out there of us just kind of like being able to drive around out on the playa and then kind of walking around and checking out a few of the, the views, like looking back up at the Steens Mountains out toward the east or looking out toward kind of that flat horizon at sunrise um, when you're hanging out there, uh, looking out toward the west. But it was really cool. It was, it was fun being there. Kind of like what I maybe had talked about a little bit before was how the weather had turned and had been bad for a bit of the time. It was it was fine, but it, just as you would maybe kind of expect as you're getting into the third week of September, uh, the weather just starts to shift a little bit where you're not really getting consistent nice days. And, or I don't know, just like the odds of, uh, of getting a nice sunset, sunrise. We just weren't really there for enough time, you know, enough days of the year to really get the, uh, the opportunity to, to see that. And I'd heard that another time, I think from like a, a National Geographic photographer who uh, I think was taking photos in the 70s and 80s, perhaps, maybe. Maybe it was the, the 90s and 2000s, but uh, it was just sort of an anecdote that they weren't really making a big point of it, but they were just talking about this assignment that they were on. I think it was out in Alaska, maybe it was up in northern Canada, but it was sort of a colder environment. And they were saying that that, that it took them, I think it was like five days uh, that they just kind of considered in their mind that they were just going to burn in learning the environment or it's going to take it like more than five days to complete the photo assignment. It would take at least three days just to learn where to go to get the photos or um, it's, there's a car going by. Uh, but it's kind of a, it's kind of a weird sort of obscure point. But the idea is that you, you would want to have not just in the idea of odds of something, but in actually your mind understanding the eccentricities and the nuance of a place and being able to capture it is a big part of it. Being able to capture like the feeling and the earnestness. Portrait photographers talk about this too, of like knowing the person better, having a relationship with the person uh, allows you to get closer, more natural or more real essence of the, of the reflection of a person when you take their portrait sort of similarly, almost in, in landscape or in travel photography, uh, the amount of time that you put into understanding your environment or the the event, the way that something's going to come about, was sort of part of what these high level pro photographers would do, and in, in understanding how to capture their story. There's lots you can do materially to to produce or to create a product of photographs in a much shorter amount of time. But I guess when you're going into developing a photo essay that reflects sort of your deepest level of work, it's really not about the pace of time that you put into it. Um, to produce the product, it's about it's about sort of the uniqueness or the the artistic expression that's sort of unique uh, to that photographer's vision of what they're trying to produce. It's it's how close they can get to that, and and that really takes more time than it would 
to just do event photography. It's sort of, uh, if you think about it, it's almost a different level of experience in photography where one, you're, you're kind of working quickly to capture stuff. And maybe every time you're working quickly, but it seems like there's this higher level of photography where you're really trying to put the best collection of work together and you're really trying to put enough time into it. So it's actually, it's really worth something at a, at a high professional level. Not a, well, or at a high meaningful level. Outside of like a commercial ability, um, it's like uh, the the level of meaning that it has when you're really trying to capture the essence of real life and photojournalism. I think is specifically what we're talking about, not uh, structured commercial shoots for for marketing campaigns, but for photojournalism like National Geographic, something like that. Where you're like, imagine uh, going to Mongolia and embedding yourself with a family there and trying to capture their story. If you had 24 hours to do that, you could produce a large amount of media in that much time. And it, it could be, if you were proficient, it could be professional quality that would adequately co- provide coverage for the news you're trying to describe. But if you're really putting together, at least back in the day when there used to be uh, budgets for bigger media projects or for bigger, you know, like single use uh, media projects and let's say like a magazine to add a monetized strategy to it, like National Geographic, you know, you could actually send someone to Mongolia, a couple people to Mongolia, one person to write, one person to take photos, one person to produce something else or a handle, whatever it is. They used to have like a whole, whole team of people, lots of teams of people, freelance people working outside of the country to, to, collect, uh, to collect news. It used to be international news. It's just sort of what it was for. Uh, we don't really get to do that anymore because the internet's made things so cheap. Um, so, so now we're in this position where if we were to, to get a chance to like go to Mongolia, do the coverage on the small family that lives in a tribe uh, in a remote area and try and kind of cover their story and their landscape and what they have to go through, you'd want more time. You'd want more time to kind of experience that. Like you'd want five days. You'd want two weeks to spend with them so you kind of learn their rhythm, I guess, is part of it. You learn the rhythm of the land. You acclimate yourself to the area so you're not bringing a lot of what you ever had out from the outside in. And I guess it's this whole kind of uh, experience of, of trying to sort of remove yourself from the outside stuff and then and sort of find the art uh, that's in the story that you're trying to you're trying to dig up. And it, it's just kind of like what it takes to work on something for a long time and probably any discipline of art or creativity. Um, but it's interesting to hear about how like you know photographers would, would need to work on stuff for a longer amount of time. Um, so I like the idea of getting to work on photos for a longer set of time. Like uh, try to put together photos, like I guess like out on these trips, like have a week in a spot or, you know, have some amount of time out in a spot and try and take a bunch of photos. But kind of what it talks about when we were talking about the Alvord earlier and we're talking about the amount of time that we were out there, even though we were there for, let's say, let's say three solid mornings and three or four solid evenings. Uh, what ends up happening is like if those four days for a landscape photographer or, you know, for landscape photography, if the weather isn't quite right or, you know, if just whatever, strangely, as fleeting of a moment as sunset can be, like it can only happen, sunset and sunrise, it can only happen for a few moments a day, really, you know, like, okay, let's say on a wide range of it, if the clouds are in the right spots, whatever it might be, it's like maybe 15 minutes a day that you can really get these solid sunsets, maybe longer, let's say a half hour a day or a whole hour. If we want to say golden hour and blue hour or something like that, you could say there's two hours a day to do this, this type of landscape photography that I'm trying to work on. But if on those couple 
days on those couple half hour segments that, that seem to come and pass pretty quickly if the sunset doesn't appear if there's not an apparition of you know whatever kind of cool color or you know whatever kind of different environmental factor or phenomena we're trying to capture then we don't get it we don't get to see it like uh or if an additional environmental factor comes in like smoke or dust which is what we got in the alvord and what we got in hell's canyon then that kind of interferes with stuff too so i guess ultimately it's just weather sometimes screws up pictures you want to take um, and that's why uh, having to spend a lot of time there, like having to live in an environment or live in a place is really like, that's the way to get the best level of work for photographs or for images out of something. Like when you're really familiar with it. And it seems like that in a lot of places you would go, like a lot of travel photography, it seems like it's taken to the place, but not during the season that you would want to go there. Or I've noticed that a couple of times, you know. <laughs> I don't know if that one makes sense, but uh, like I remember, uh, gosh, like a beautiful spot up uh, before I started going to the Eagle Cap Wilderness, the Joseph area, the 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 lakes and the the mountains and stuff up in uh, in northeastern Oregon, and uh, some of the really cool postcard pictures of the the, the landscape picturesque images, they were all taken uh, probably by local photographer, you know, whoever, whoever was there, but photographers, but uh, in march or april or may but it was always like during a certain specific time like when the wildflower bloom would be or while the grass was still green and before it had kind of turned into that yellow field that you get by june july um and so it was just kind of all these really specific things that made it look very picturesque very beautiful and it's interesting how you can kind of see those things like oh yeah that only happens some days out of the year that's going to be like that that the hills are going to be covered in snow but that the lake and the grass around the lake is all going to be green, but the water is going to be blue. And so it's all this, this whole scheme that's sort of been organized and arranged in advance to look good or to look like a fine art image. And I think uh, another fine art photographer that I was reading about, you know, it kind of described fine art photography as uh, capturing a moment at the pinnacle of its greatest beauty or its, its greatest expression, but uh, capturing a phenomenal moment in a phenomenal environment, you know, like the, uh, like a landscape, the land looks really cool and picturesque out in front of you. You stood or positioned yourself in just the right spot. The heavens above you, the clouds, the light, all are serendipitously really nice. And then some other element like animal, you know, a bird or, or you know, some other kind of a person, some other kind of additional element is also there serendipitously that can kind of create or bring a moment together to capture it in this fine art system of photography. But that was just this one photographer's kind of take on it. Interesting though, but it, it was really specific though about how unique and how special it is to really be a photographer if that is at its root selecting a place and a position to be in at a certain time to get the most amazing or the most beautiful capture of that real experience as you can. And I guess if you are trying to do that in just that single moment, then kind of considering how to be in the moment, how to be at a specific moment, how to kind of capture it and bring it all together all in one piece. That's really what like the fine art photography system is about or for like the gallery photographers. And I could see where they could really get into that and, and see like what it is. Um, there's also like, I guess like another side of that outside of fine art would be just sort of the more real, I don't know if it'd be street, but it would just be, that photography is about like, capturing moments and about sort of the real more gritty pieces of life. And it's really not about perfecting it or about, I guess, altering 
the perception of reality to sort of meet some perfect, idealized, imagined um, sort of piece of imagery. A lot of people do that. Like I push toward surrealism a lot of the time too. Um, but I guess I mean a little different than surrealism. Photography is always about that, about like kind of taking a piece and then amping that up a lot as a photographer. But I don't know. There's a lot of different like kind of avenues and pathways for it. I guess that's why it's an art, you know, and that's why uh, different people and different consciousnesses throughout time have kind of interpreted it differently, um, which is why it's fascinating and why I have a blast doing it. So it's been cool. But uh, yeah, I posted an Alvord video. It's just a set of clips. It's kind of fun. It's us traveling around. I posted, uh, oh, another photo of the, the, uh, the Alvord Playa with a couple cool colors on it. We brought some cool lights with us uh, that, you know, kind of turned a bunch of different colors and stuff. We were just kind of messing around and, and uh, we noticed how cool it was, the, uh, the bright uh, kind of colorful light as it kind of mixed and cast down onto the sort of uni-toned color of the playa as it cut across. But it was cool. Posted some of that to Instagram, posted some stuff of our campsites, one of them in Imnaha, one of them in Alvord. I think there's another another shot of a campsite that we had um, up in the Wallawas. Lots of fun stuff, so a lot of stuff like that going on. Oh, man. This story. All right, so outside of the photo stuff, somebody broke my window. Some, I'm pretty sure, homeless person in the area. They took, a, they took a, like a landscaping paver. Like one that would be on the terrace of a little landscaping feature at a house. They picked that up. They went over to my car at the curb. Boom. And they smashed my my back uh, passenger side window in. And they stole a little bag out of, the, out of the back that had nothing in it. It was just empty. But they got that bag. They yanked it out of the back. I lost my window. I got a pretty pretty good side dent from the concrete on the paver like bashing into the side of the car and so yeah my car's uh in the shop pretty sweet thanks homeless people thanks vandals making me report a claim to my insurance Oy. so yeah right now the uh the truck is actually at the body shop getting some big dents beat out of it and then uh getting a window replaced so yeah thanks homeless people for uh taking that productivity and just shattering it on the ground in the street. So that was awesome. It was pretty cool. But, uh, but really overall, I'm not, I'm not too mad about it and I didn't really lose anything. You know, the, uh, the worst, well, or the one that stung me even more was a couple years ago when I had the forerunner still, uh, they broke into that and they stole my tripod at the time. I think they stole like my tripod and they stole, I think like a, some other camera accessory, but I don't, know what it was it was probably like a light stand it's probably like a light stand i think it was something like that oh it was a softbox oh that was a good softbox too yeah i replaced that one and i replaced the tripod but yeah i remember i had the forerunner and i'd I'd taken all the gear inside and i just had like a couple accessory pieces in the back wasn't really in there for very long but uh but yeah someone had popped the window on the forerunner and then i'd lost my tripod lost the softbox what are they going to do with it they just pawned it for something that's totally not worth like what 30 bucks they got whatever and uh thanks thanks guys so that one stung me a lot more than this one for whatever reason but i guess this is probably more monetarily impactful to, to the you know the car and whatever and 
I deal with insurance. So that's my story. You can check uh, some of my photos out on Instagram. That's at Billy Newman. And you can go to my website. That's BillyNewmanPhoto.com to see more of my images and more of the things that I'm posting. Thanks a lot for checking out this podcast. And you can tune into another one sometime soon. Thanks a lot, guys. Talk again again soon.